We don't slut shame around here. They say we are what we eat. Does that come in organic? So who are you eating? I believe they call that an ethical slut. Can I unplug your phone so I can charge my vibrator? I can't believe he couldn't find it. Fuck it. Let's roll. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat, The place to up-level that sexy life of yours. With expert talk on sex, love, and nutrition. Hey lovers, and welcome to episode three of our four-part sensual series here on Eat, Play, Sex. I'm your sex expert, Dr. Kat. Raise your hand if you are a business entrepreneur or career person. Keep them raised if you have ever experienced burnout or dreamed about quitting your career and setting up a seagrass hut on a deserted island somewhere in the Pacific. Raise both hands in the air and wave them around like you just don't care. But the reality is, we do care. We want the successful business or career, but we don't want to keep exhausting ourselves to get there. So I've got the badass boss babe, Natalie McNeil here to tell us about how you can have a million dollar company and live a life of a sensualist. Actually, she encourages it. But before we get to Natalie, I want to personally invite you into a life of more sensuality and pleasure. This was my inspiration to creating this four-part sensual series, bringing you top experts from embodiment to sensuality to trauma's impact on the body. And to me, sensuality is both a medicine and a lifestyle. You won't want to miss an episode, so be sure to hit subscribe and send this episode to your best friend who keeps threatening to burn it all down. There is a different way. And to further support your journey, I've put together a Sensual Sundays guide full of my favorite sensuality products and rituals to bring more pleasure into your Sundays. So click the link in the show notes or head over to sexloveyoga.com. Woo! All right, lovers, I am so excited to introduce you one of my best friends, one of my inspirations in this lifetime to be a businesswoman, to be a sensual woman, Natalie McNeil, who is an Emmy award-winning media entrepreneur, four-time best-selling author, and go-to coach to thousands of soul-centered entrepreneurs. And she has given me so much insight, so much understanding and wisdom around how to balance this world without falling apart without burning out. I'm like, the, the things that she will sprinkle on you today is going to be just golden. So get out your notebooks, <laughs> curl up in your chair, get out your favorite tea and, and just snuggle in. <laughs> Hi, Natalie. I'm so happy to be here. You're like one of my biggest inspirations in this space. So it's truly an honor to be here with you. And I just adore you. I'm so grateful for all the wisdom that you bring into my life and all the play. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we do play very well in this lifetime. Very, very well. (laughs) So anybody listening right now, we're just going to adore each other for the rest of the podcast. And I hope that transmits to you all the wisdom we're trying to give you. (laughs) I, I think that actually, could transmit a lot. 
Yeah. Yeah. You have. So over this year, um, over the last, I guess, two and a half years that I've known you, I've been able to watch you as a businesswoman, as a highly successful entrepreneur, who's just killing it in the game. And I've been able to, to learn from you and how you navigate without burning out, because I have this, this experience in, in three episodes ago, I think it was 102, I talked about burnout. I talked about burnout in love, burnout in sex, burnout in in business and ourselves. And you have been one of those people that I've go to and I'm like, Natalie, help me out. I just don't know. I'm just becoming a mush cat. <laughs> so so during my sensual series, this for, for the podcast, I wanted to ask you about your journey and really break down and reverse engineer how you have helped yourself to be able to be so successful and still be the sensual woman that you are. Mm. So maybe let's begin with some of the challenges that you've discovered along your way of being so productive and so successful. Mm. So going way back, I started my first company in my late teenage years. So I feel like I've had so many years to just figure things out and figure out (laughs) what works for me because there was that time, especially in those earlier days, like for the first five years or so of my business, I worked myself to a point where my well was always running dry. Mm. And that had an impact in so many areas of my life. At that time, I didn't know how to pour into myself so that I could then pour out onto all the people that I was managing, serving in relationship with. And I was constantly depleted. I didn't have a lot of support around me either. Um, I had friends. I didn't have friends who were like our friends now where I feel like Mm -hmm. we really hold each other and we're there for each other and we don't let each other get into those places where we do get super burnt out because there was a time when I burnt out and it was like, the kind of burnout that you need doctors to recover from. And I needed a lot Mm -hmm. of support from a whole medical team. And that's when I realized that I would, was not going to enjoy my life if I kept on that path. I was also avoiding a lot in my romantic Mm -hmm. relationships. So I was in relationship with a beautiful human. He, he wasn't my partner (laughs) and we spent almost about a decade together and Mm. I used productivity to avoid a lot in my (sighs) relationship in like really looking at things I needed to be looking at. And I used my work to avoid going deeper into myself to do some of the healing work that has been necessary. I feel to unlock who I get to be today, like to unlock the sensuality, to unlock all my playfulness. I was a Mm -hmm. very different person than you know me to be. Oh my God. What were you? What were you? Tell me about younger. Yeah. Younger Natalie. (laughs) Whoa. I was, (laughs) I was a lot more serious than I am now. 
I didn't feel so in touch with my playfulness. I didn't feel Mm. so in touch with my sensuality. I could feel Mm. it there under the surface, but I became very obsessed with succeeding. And in Mm. the industry that I was in, sort of two industries, because I also started building my online brand about 12 years ago. And then I was also running a media and production company. And our systems and structures in this world are not set up for us to really be in our sensuality, in our creativity. And sensuality, sexuality, and creativity are all so Mm -hmm. interlinked. And we just live in this world where, you know, if you're a woman, if you're a menstruating woman, your cycle really impacts your energy and your creativity as well. So women feel the most creative and the most desire when they're ovulating. And now I actually Mm. time my workflows and my work cycles, my launches to my, to my moon cycle. And that's made such a big difference Mm. at that time, like way back. Yeah. Yeah. In our episode with Nicole Hardim, we talk, we go in depth with Mm. the cycles and talking about how the different, how your own energy fluctuates and when the most optimal time for your productivity, when the most optimal time for planning, when the most optimal time to just rest Mm. and dream and journal. So go and check that episode out. If you really want to learn how to map your cycle to your life and to your productivity. That changed my life completely when I started Mm. doing that. And there isn't room for that in most of the structures that exist in our world. In most companies, pretty much, like I can't think of a company that lets women work according to their cycles, which is why I love getting to be an entrepreneur. I love getting to be in charge of my own workflow. And then at that time too, I also... um, I also used work to avoid really big challenges in my relationship. Like I didn't dive in the way that I do now when anything is coming up. For me, Mm. when there is a trigger, I didn't take the time to sit with it, which is such an important part of our overall wellness as well. Yeah. And I see... So looking through that particular piece through the trauma lens, because I I work a lot with trauma, we can see how this overproductivity or even just moving really fast can be a trauma response. And so one thing that I teach both my men and women about is um, recognizing your state. What was your your natural state of being growing up and in your family of origin? Because our nervous system, the state of our nervous system, sometimes being heightened in a heightened state of arousal or sometimes being really low can give us an indication of how what's familiar for us presently today. So some of us are addicted to the emotional state or the nervous system state of this heightened sense of, of activity. And so we'll drink a lot of coffee or we'll busy ourselves or we'll get into this rush, 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 rush. And we thrive off of that. It's exciting. But the issue with that is because our, it wears out our nervous system because we're not supposed to be in that state consistently. Like you said, we're supposed to move in cycles, right? And so it's like, why do we get burned out? Because we are so addicted to this heightened state and that when we're not in that heightened state, 
we, it feels mundane. It feels boring. It feels depressive. And we don't want to feel that. Like, I think what you're saying. And so we want to avoid that. So let me just dive into productivity and fast pace again. Totally. Yeah. And then we, we stay in that space. We get totally depleted. There's nothing left. And Mm -hmm you experience burnout that can last a long time. I ended up being in that space for about two years. It took two years to recover and to come back and to really learn to adjust every Mm. area of my life to just slow down and take more time and reconnect to myself, spend more time in nature, spend more time in self-pleasuring and sex. Mm -hmm. And it was a long journey to come back from. Mm, Yeah. And I love that you said that because that's very de-shaming for any of us who struggle. You know, the body says no at one point. The body's like, stop it, Natalie, yes. stop it, stop Dr. it, just Kat. stop. <laughs> I don't want and we're to like, anymore. <laughs> yeah, and we're like, body, shut the fuck up. Right. But, but really it's, and it can take a while because again, these are hardwired solutions that we have for ourselves to either not feel or to, um, a solution to the pain or the fear of rejection or the fear of failure, whatever it is that we're trying to cover up. And that's, you know, it will take a while to break habits and change old thought patterns. Yes, because these are so ingrained in us. Like this is the culture that we live in. We are valued as humans in our culture for Mm -hmm. our output. That's what we're most valued for. How -hmm. much can we put out? And that's going to be hard to change all of those patterns. Like we have to completely rewire from what we've been taught. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you are enough. Yeah. What? No way. <laughs> I have to prove myself. I have to... <laughs> exactly. Yes. Like all of these stories, you know, like I, I was running that program. I was running that program uh-huh. of I'm only enough if I'm achieving, if I'm mm-hmm. creating the most epic shit, if I'm winning the awards, because Also growing up, I was so praised for the things that I did. I was so praised for being perfect, for getting like perfect on tests or for the things that I was doing. That's when I Mm -hmm. felt most loved. Like, oh, you're so smart. Like you're doing amazing things. You're such a helper. You're like helping all these other students at your school. And so I Mm -hmm. felt like I always needed that in order Mm -hmm. to be loved. And that's what I really needed to break as a pattern that like, I am just loved. Like it was such an ingrained belief Mm -hmm. that I'm loved for what I do, but like, I'm loved for just being who I am. I'm loved because there's people around me. They love me no matter what. And I'm worthy no matter what I could have no job at all. I could have no business at all. And I'm still so worthy of all of it. Yeah. And where along your point of, you said it took you two years to heal through that deep burnout. At what point did you find that 
sensuality was the answer or, or, or even just what you're sharing about my, my worth is mm. not contingent on this. Mm. I had, when I was younger, like when I look back to my teenage years and my desire and my sexuality, my sensuality and my connection to that, it was actually quite strong. And I had dove into that earlier in my life. And then somewhere along the way, and I think it was around when I started the businesses, I just Mm -hmm. pushed that aside as something that isn't the most important thing for me to be focused on. Like I had such a strong desire, such a strong um, connection to my sexuality. And Mm -hmm. I started to label that as being a distraction. Like if I'm just turned on by life all the time, it's distracting me from work. And I don't know the point in which I I adopted that belief and stepped into taking that on, but it got to a point where I could feel that energy within me like pulsating again and whispering Mm. to me that it was time to come back. I also didn't have a lot of sex in my relationship. So we we weren't having regular sex either. And Mm. it, it just got to a point where I think that energy had been like ignored for so long and it was like there, it was brewing and I just couldn't ignore it anymore. I just couldn't ignore it anymore. And that's when I I dove in and I knew that that was going to be a really big part of the healing is reconnecting to that and letting that Mm -hmm. energy like be fully unleashed. Mm -hmm. And that was really a game changer in my healing as well, because I mean, your listeners know all the benefits of sex, right? It's like, Mm It helps our brain health. It helps us prevent burnout. It helps lower stress. Mm -hmm. It puts us in a better mood. Like all of those things are what you actually need in order to continue to run a company, continue Mm -hmm. to create in the world. It's like everything that I was wanting to do, like lower Mm -hmm. my stress, heal, have more joy in my life, like sex and my sensuality was the answer to all of that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't going to matter what supplements I was taking and the vitamins and the IV drips and all of that. Like none of that was going to heal me unless I turned to my sexual energy and cultivating that again. Wow. 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 Let's highlight that. So you did IV therapy supplements. You did, what else did you do there? I was going to different doctors. I was doing the inner work. I was doing a lot of like therapeutic journaling prompts and I was taking on meditation, like really deep meditations Mm -hmm. twice a day. And I was exercising and running and like Mm -hmm. doing all of these things, taking a lot of space for myself, all the Mm -hmm. things that are part of like standard burnout protocols. Sure. Yeah. And do <laughs> you know what was not on the on the burnout protocol <laughs> was sex. Our, was sex. Yes. <laughs> and that really ended up being something that has 
it, it changed that trajectory of my uh-huh. life. It took me on a path of healing in way deeper ways than I had before I dove mm-hmm. into that. And then now, even though I maintain a schedule that can be a little rigorous at times, and right now I'm building a new company even though I have a lot on my plate, as long as I'm in my personal practice and I'm taking time throughout the day to connect with myself, if I'm taking time for the self-pleasure practices, taking time Mm -hmm. to, you know, as you teach so beautifully to like feed my eroticism and Mm -hmm. do that as like daily practice, the way that I Mm -hmm. have a daily meditation practice, total game changer. Like I only Mm. continue to get more creative, to feel more joy, to like bring this energy of orgasmic bliss into my work. And as I do that more and more and more, the company only continues to grow. Mm. I've had more success than I ever had before when I was just like working, working, working towards success all the time. And that's what I wish people understood that we can and we actually need to follow these cycles. We need to connect to our sensuality. We need the self-pleasure practices. We need that energy, like connection to that energy, to that like Shakti in order to be who we want to be in the world and attract Mm -hmm. everything that we want to attract. Mm. Yeah. It's like, it sounds from what you're describing, it's a very renewing energy versus just productivity is output. It's a lot of output. It's a lot of using our energy, depleting us. But here you're saying sensuality, sexuality renews us, fills us back up so we can hold more. Exactly. Yeah. Like in Taoist practice, how we have to be so Um, mindful and have practices to balance our giving and our receiving. And so many of us are giving, 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 and it's always output. And we Mm. have to look at how we balance with that input. And I feel like Mm. those practices, like taking time for breath work is a big practice that I do. And often breath work paired with self-pleasuring and Mm -hmm. those kind of practices, they, they are input, like they are renewing, they are feeding me and filling my cup and lighting me up. And Mm. I have to do my work from that place. Like there just is no other way for me anymore. Anymore. Yeah. Now that you've seen the other side and how that benefits. And I I feel the same way. It's had to require me to learn how to slow down again, like you said, because I was on this just so conditioned to move really fast and we can't be sensual when we move really fast. Yes. Yes. And taking time for, I've been saying a lot about like the pleasure practices and feeding Mm -hmm. eroticism and breath work. Mm -hmm. And it's also connection with fellow humans Mm -hmm. in play. (laughs) Like that's another thing that really fills me up and does have that quality of renewing energy Mm -hmm. Just being around Mm -hmm. other humans who are also playful, who also Mm -hmm 
are connected to their sensuality and like the way that we play together, the way that Mm -hmm. we take time and go slow together, take time for that renewal. That also has been such a game changer. So like find Mm. your people, (laughs) find, find find your people, love them hard, let them love you hard. And that is also something that I need. Yeah. Um, how did you, because I know that uh, some of our audience members will be listening and they'll be like, but I don't, I actually don't understand how you access playfulness because it's this, it's a skill in my experience. I see it as being in your most authentic self, but for so many people, they don't know how to be playful. Mm. Well, first of all, find yourself a Dr. Kat Meyer as a BFF. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you can't do that, find someone who also can play with you in all yeah. the ways. Um, I think that makes a really big difference. And play for me was a practice. One of the things that I connected to was how I used to play when I was a child. And I actually did this beautiful um, tantric workshop on childhood deconditioning with our, mm. with our friend Layla. Um, we went through this child deconditioning process and a big part of that practice was the way that we played as children and what brought us joy as children. So I started really thinking back to all the things that would make me feel alive as a child, like going down a slide, like going to a park and going down the slide. So much joy. And I hadn't done that in years because there's so many playgrounds that are like, not for use for people over the age of 12. Like who the hell makes (laughs) these rules? Who makes these rules? And we- Boring people. (laughs) Boring people. So we also didn't want to go and be those like weird adults on the playground when- there were a lot of kids there. So we would like go after hours <laughs> when the kids were <laughs> sleeping after hours playground time and just like play on the playground. And I could feel this little spark in me that was starting to like light up and get brighter. And I also used to love playing in sandboxes, like playing with sand. And so I did that, like went down to the beach and I just like played with the sand and built a little Mm -hmm. sand castle and just started doing these things that I used to do as a kid, like crawling Mm -hmm. around, pretending to be an animal. This is one of the (laughs) things I so love, like get yourself some friends that you Mm -hmm. can be an animal with. Like we've, we've done this. I hope this is okay. We do this all the time. Oh my God. (laughs) Okay. Like (laughs) being in an animal one, and like (laughs) embodying an animal, like just embodying the essence of a tiger or of a cat or another animal that you want to choose. And like taking that on is, it's so playful and it's so Uh nourishing. And it took practice for me to do that because of course, now I have to work through all of those stories of like, what are people thinking of me that I'm an adult going down the slide at a playground? Are people going to think I'm crazy? Are people going to call the police because I'm over the age of 12? Like I had all these fears that would run through my head or can I really pretend to be a cat right now with my friend cat? (laughs) 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 Is anyone judging me right now? And I realized that so much of it was about 
managing, I spent so much of my energy managing other people's experiences of me and Mm. other people's expectations. Like that was one of the biggest things I had to let go of. I had so much fear of being judged and I had to Mm. just get to the point where I was like, fuck it. This is my life. Like this, Mm -hmm. this brings me joy. So Mm -hmm. I think returning to just to, to, to wrap up this part of the conversation, like returning to what brought you joy as a kid, can you paint? Like one of the exercises that we did as well, um, was using your non-dominant hand to write Mm -hmm. And to write from your inner child, to allow your inner child to be expressed. Because when we use our non-dominant hand, it accesses the creative centers of our brain. So Mm. using that as a therapeutic writing practice as well was one of the things that that we were taught to do in the childhood tantric workshop. So incorporating all of that. Yeah. 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 We did that one together. It was, it was fun Mm. to meet each other's uh, inner children and to play in that space. Just a bunch of adults playing for nine days. (laughs) Absolutely. I feel like our task in this lifetime is to really undo those cultural conditions so that we can return to that childlike self, the very innocent, authentic, spontaneous, doing whatever feels good. You know, I, And to still have compassion for that part of us that wants to manage the judgments because isn't that part just trying to protect us and make sure that we belong in a system. You know, we, we survive, we survive, (laughs) we thrive thrive and survive when we're with people, when we're with communities. So it's like when we don't belong, when we're rejected, the pain of that, but also it threatens our own survival. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. There's, there's so much in that (laughs) to just (laughs) and be with. And yes, it's like having compassion for every part of ourselves and like really giving space to the inner child. If that's not part of regular practice for you is putting like even putting that on the calendar to start Mm -hmm. and to start connecting with your inner child and Mm -hmm. letting your inner child just have some space to Mm -hmm. express. That's one of the other things I love about kids, like just how expressed they are, how connected they are to their emotions and just being able to, if it's safe to do so, to Mm -hmm. express whatever feels present. And so that's Mm -hmm. also been something that has been a game changer for me. Mm, yeah. And if you need help with that, I have a giraffe onesie. Go to Amazon and get yourself <laughs> a onesie, an animal onesie, whatever you want. You can start in the own privacy of your home. And Cat <laughs> looks dinner. so cute in her giraffe onesie. It's like just the best thing ever. It brightens my day every time I get to see this. Oh, yay. <laughs> medicine. (laughs) So one thing that you said earlier that I want to backtrack and highlight was you said during this whole process of, you know, starting your companies with an S (laughs) is that you had in your mind that sexuality and even sensuality, I guess, was a distraction. And it just lit up this, this image Mm -hmm. of what I see happening so much with women in the professional world. Mm. And I think it was Layla who pointed out to me, she was like, 
I, you embody, you, Dr. Kat embodies this ability to hold both her very sensual sexual self with a very professional doctor, academic part of you. And, and, and it, I never really thought about it in this way, but how much in our society, we set, we segment these parts, you know, it's like, we have our one part that is uh, community, family, business oriented. And then over here, we've got our sexuality, our sensuality, our pleasure, our desires. And it's as if we have a difficult time with integrating those parts because we've stigmatized our sexuality or, or our sensuality or just being in our body as something that isn't that's dangerous or that is not professional. Like we want to be taken seriously. And how can I be taken seriously if I'm also in my body and sexy and, and (laughs) playful (laughs) or, you know, I, I, want to be deeply connected to my boundaries, but I also want to be deeply open to connection. And is that okay as a professional woman? How do you see this or how have you been able to, to integrate those parts for yourself? Oh, wow. This is such a big one. You do this so beautifully. I feel like you show me where I can further decompartmentalize my life because I think we've been taught, I remember being taught so much about work-life balance and how to separate those two things, especially with some of my mentors in the early days of building my business. But now I'm in a place where I see that for myself, I feel most fulfilled. I feel most authentically me when I don't have my life so compartmentalized, when everything just gets to be a flow and a dance. And part of that has been these parts like dancing with each other as a way of reintegrating them. And I had to start with letting these parts sit down together. And I visualize it as these parts sitting down at like a boardroom table together. I do that too. You do that too? Yeah. All my (laughs) parts come in. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And it's been, and I, I still have to do this sometimes because I feel like I'm in, if we look at like the competence matrix, I'm still in this stage of going from a conscious competence. Like it's something I'm aware of now and can step into um, actively doing in my life to an unconscious competence. I feel like I'm slowly making this an unconscious competence where like I can just have all those parts integrated and they don't feel Mm. separate, but sometimes they still do for me. And yeah, bringing these different parts to the boardroom table and really like visualizing them, this like, you know, Mm. sexy creature coming into the boardroom and she just wants to like play all the time. And Mm -hmm. she wants to like be orgasmic all the time. And then having my inner child come into the boardroom and sit down and be like, I just want to be a kid. Like, I just want to play. I don't want to work at all. Like work, what? And then there's like the CEO that comes in and the CEO is like, we have work to do. We have goals to meet this quarter. We have (laughs) KPIs to set for team members. And, you know, just having these different parts and so many others sometimes come and actually share their desires, their fears, 
their needs, what they need from the other parts and like sitting in practice with that, writing those things down and seeing where they are connected and seeing where there's a bit of a disconnect and how all of those parts, like, can we set our schedule? Can I create my life flow so that all of those parts are given space? Even if that means having to put that space on the calendar as I'm really building towards more integration. And I do that. Like one of the ways that I do that is Fridays now, I feel very lucky, very privileged to get to do this. But Friday is my day where it's just about my creativity and my sensuality. I don't take any meetings. I don't see any clients. There are no goals or tasks that I have to do on Fridays. It's just about that kind of flow. There are other days where it's more about like tasks and back to back to back getting those tasks done. But then I know that the next day I have a day that I get to be more creative. And I find that works really well for me because one of the biggest things is task switching. I feel this is one of the things that drains my energy. It takes about 27 minutes for our brain to change into a different task. So Mm -hmm. if I try to go from doing something creative, like writing a chapter of my next book, and then I dive into answering some emails, and then I dive into getting on a client call, In between each of those things, it's taking my mind up to 27 minutes to actually switch. And apparently some studies show that it's, it's longer for women to, it takes more time for women to task switch. So you could end up losing in a day, a few hours just from going from thing to thing to thing. So now I have time set aside for answering emails and then I close my inbox and I don't answer emails for the rest of the day. I have time for like back-to-back client sessions because then I'm in that headspace. And then I have time for my creative projects like writing and doing new things and doing some like creative thinking and strategic planning. So I've tried to eliminate those gaps and eliminate the time I lose task switching because I've, I've noticed how much it, it drains me. It kills my productivity and it drains my energy. It gets me depleted very quickly. You just, wow. Okay. You just answered and, and de-shamed the part of me <laughs> that, cause I literally used to get upset with myself that I couldn't switch from one to another. And I would go from seeing clients to do admin, to teaching yoga, to something creative in the evening. And it was like, I would get so upset that I couldn't move as fast as I thought that I should be able to. And this again was years ago. It was also, I would watch my therapist friends. And uh, so as a therapist, we have 50 minutes with each client and then 10 minutes before the next client. And in those 10 minutes, all of my colleagues would talk about how they would write all their notes. They would call a client back. They would, and I'd be like, I literally just stare into space. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I can't do that. And so then I was like, ah, something's wrong with me that I'm not like my time management skills suck. Like I'm at the end of the day, have all these fucking notes I have to finish before I call it a day. And I'm like, I, I, there was a lot of shame around that until Mm -hmm. more recently I got into, I think segmenting and making specific days, specific tasks. And so I find it to be much easier, much more fluid, but I can still catch myself of, and, um, 
and uh, just needing a lot of transition time between things. Mm. Yeah, I need that too. And I think we all have our own cycles and rhythms. And for anyone listening right now, feeling like, oh, maybe I need to do that, or I need to do it the way that like Kat's doing it or that Natalie's doing it. Just take Mm. time to maybe try these things on and you don't have to keep them. You get to figure out what works best for you. And I think the lesson here is, can you look at how you've set up your life and how your life flows right now and just make some minor tweaks that work for you and your own natural cycles and rhythms? Mm, yeah. And to the answer that one of one of the biggest blocks to any of us, I know it was for me, um, how do we how do we manage that statement of I, I ain't got time? I ain't got time for this, Natalie. I ain't got time to be <laughs> sensual. <laughs> yeah. I guess I learned my big lesson because it took me. I feel like I was set back two years by not taking the time. Like if I had just done things differently earlier on, mm-hmm. I would not have had a two-year period where I just could not get my energy back up. I felt like a battery that it would only, I could only charge it to like 10% so that I could get just enough, just enough to go through the next thing, but I was never charging a hundred percent. And I just learned that lesson the hard way. So I think that in terms of the I don't have time for that. If you don't make the time for it, if you don't restructure the way that you're doing things, you're going to be forced to take a lot more time on it later on. One of the Mm. things I've also found from experimenting, because it's all of this has just been an experiment for me, you know, Um, I I still don't have it all figured out. I'm still learning, (laughs) but I feel like it's so much better than it's ever been. And Mm. I've learned that when I take the space, when I have time for practice, I actually get so much more done in shorter periods of time. So there's a point Mm -hmm. in the day where if I sit at my computer, if I think about, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of the call, I've, I've written five books and Mm -hmm. those have come out over the last decade. And if I would sit in front of my screen beyond like three hours of writing and try to write any more, I just couldn't. I just couldn't. So I was no longer being productive. And I think sometimes we try to force ourselves to be productive when Mm -hmm. we're just not in that space anymore. We're not in that flow. And the best thing we can do is to actually step away and to allow Mm -hmm. ourselves to recharge and then come back to it. So Mm -hmm. I actually get more done. I know this is going to sound crazy, but I get more done working five hours in a day than I do when I'm working eight or nine hours in a day. Mm. And that's because a lot of times when I have a long work day, I'm so depleted, especially in those last hours of the day that I'm just not, I'm not being productive anyway. I'm not getting things done. And so I've learned to find these blocks of time. And for me, it's the first few hours in the morning that I'm super productive. 
I take a little bit of a break, especially for creative work for me in the morning. I take a break. I'll usually do a couple hours in the afternoon of sometimes it's like clients, it's meetings, it's checking in with team members. I'll take another little break. And then in the evenings, I'm also able to, I usually have like a burst of energy in the evenings for a few hours and I'll sometimes use that time. So it's just finding your own flow. And I think we, I think we need it. And I think that we are actually more productive when we work less hours. One of the things I do too, like another productivity hack is the Pomodoro technique. So working in sprints, and I love doing this with friends too, working in sprints where you're committed to doing one thing in 50 minutes and you set the timer and it just helps you laser focus in on that thing, get it done, take a little break and then move into the next thing. And those sprints wow. have just been so helpful for me as well. I get things done faster oh, and time them. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's so powerful. And then do you have daily practices that you, that you go into around sensuality or embodiment? I do. One of the things that I have been playing with uh, more recently is not putting pressure on myself to have a rigid schedule. So my last book, The Rituals, I talk a lot about this. To me, the difference between habits and rituals are that habits are still very automatic and they definitely have a benefit. There's so many benefits to having good habits, but rituals to me are more about what feels alive and present in the moment and really meets you where you are. So I noticed mm. that if I have a heavier energy that's moving through me or I feel heavy, I feel a dense energy, it could be my own. It could be something collectively taking time to do breath work and tuning into that energy and giving it voice and just giving it a little bit of space is so powerful for me. Sometimes it is sensuality. If I'm going to have a creative day, I like to start the morning with more of an orgasmic, like looped breathwork practice, like in through the mouth, out through the mouth, combine that with a little bit of self-pleasuring. And that puts me in a really creative, juicy place for going into my creative work. And other times, if I have a day where I'm going to be like back to back with clients or I have a lot of meetings, I find one of the best things that I can do is to have more um, stillness to just mm. drop into meditation for 15 minutes, put myself in the, the calm eye of the storm and just get mm -hmm. really grounded for the day ahead. Um, mm. I would say that honestly, I probably do sensuality and like self-pleasuring practices about four times a week. It's probably about what I'm doing right now. And that looks like a lot of things. Sometimes it's like being in front of the mirror and just like touching myself and telling myself like what I love about me, what I love mm -hmm. about parts of my body and like stepping into that practice. Yeah. Um, other times it looks a little bit different. Other times it involves my partner and, you know, we step into a space of having that time together and that can be really amazing as well. Like breath work together and um, yeah. Something. Yeah, that's amazing. I love, so I want to highlight what you said there around feeling into what is alive for you, because it, 
in, I, I do very similarly. I have a morning devotion for myself. So every morning I do something for myself and with myself around sensuality, but it's never the same thing. Yeah. Meaning it's, and because I found a lot of pressure on me to, okay, every morning I have to do my meditation, but what if I was like squiggly, you know, and like, what if I like wanted to do something else or, or maybe my day was more needing me to be more open and expansive and expressive. And so I found that giving myself permission to not do the same thing every day, but there was still something that was transforming in the showing up for myself every morning. Yeah. So there was still so that. Key. So key. Like the last thing we want to do is add another have to or Mm -hmm. should to Mm -hmm. our lives. So the more that we can just play with it, this goes back to the play, like play with your, I love that you call it your devotional practice and having that Mm -hmm. time for yourself and then play with what it looks like. And can you come up with new ways to play and to connect with yourself, to connect with your Mm. sensuality. Like that for me is so nourishing and really fills me up because I've been in routine where that routine actually ends up draining me because I feel like I have to do it in the morning. Mm, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're spending a lot of energy trying to manage this inauthentic state in order to preserve that part of you that says, this is what it means to be a good practitioner or be a good productive person. You have to do the meditation every day, 20 minutes every day. And I'm like, I'm a body. Today, I don't want you. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, exactly. Like you do you. Yeah. And you are such, you know, I've said this before, I'll say it again. You're such an example of embodiment and and being an embodied entrepreneur. And I know that this is exactly what you teach your coaches. So I know that you have a program that incorporates this embodiment and how to mm, work with the body instead of against the body. So instead of getting to the point where the body says no, the body's in a constant yes. Yes, so what, exactly. yeah, what is this program? Can you tell our listeners about it and how you teach your, your coaches? Yeah. So my company coaching evolved is the only ICF accredited multi-modality coaching certification of its kind. So if you've ever been interested in coaching or being certified as a coach, but there are other methods of coaching that maybe just don't resonate because so much of coaching can be focused on our mental facet of being when in fact we have the physical facet, we have the emotional facet, the energetic facet, the mental facet, and the spiritual facet. And this Mm -hmm. is just rooted in the five koshas. So if we are really tuning into and integrating all five of these facets in our transformation, in moving toward what we really want, that's when we create lasting change in our lives and feel mm. deepest levels of fulfillment. So mm. this is how we train people and we teach 
breathwork. So you also get certified in breathwork, in emotional freedom technique, in transformational embodiment. Uh, you get your coaching certification as well, of course, and can get professionally credentialed with the International Coaching Federation. And I really believe this is the new paradigm that we're stepping into. I mean, you do this in your therapy practices. I love what's happening in somatic therapy right now. Yeah. I feel like in coaching, we're also moving towards this integration of the body and having that be part of the journey and making it fun and making it playful and tuning into all the wisdom that lives within us. To me, it's just the most beautiful thing and really reclaiming our multidimensionality as human beings. Like mm. we get to be all of it at the same time. And the paradoxes can all be integrated and work together. Like that's part of the mystery of this human existence. So very, very this proud. This is what I want to hear. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. And I'm so, so grateful for just getting to do this work in the world for we've had our first cohort of graduates go through the program and have loved it so much and have just felt like it's so game-changing so yeah you can come on over and um, visit nataliemacneil.com forward slash dr cat if you want to learn a little bit more about what we're doing and consider becoming a coach or deepening in your coaching practice if it's something that you're already doing and being able to offer this to people mm. in the world as well because the world really really needs people who are more embodied and more peaceful yes. and more connected to their sensuality mm. uh, here here yes I love seeing more of this kind of conversation come out where we're moving away less from this uh, just cognitive heady space of just changing your thoughts, changing your beliefs, but really on the somatic body intelligence level. And I love see seeing that you're doing that. And for more inspiration, you can find her on Instagram. I follow her on Instagram <laughs> <laughs> and you have yes. an Epic podcast. Mm. Yeah, come visit me on Instagram at Natalie McNeil. And we're also we're transitioning the podcast right now. So instead, I am teaching these um, weekly classes. So if you're also interested in diving deeper into everything that we've been talking about, um, every single week, I teach a free live class based on my transformational embodiment coaching methodology. So you mm. can come on over to our website, nataliemacneil.com and um, get signed up so that you can come to these free classes as well and just feed, feed the playful part of you, feed mm. all the parts of you really. Yes. I love that. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Natalie, for hopping on and playing uh, with me. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you for teaching me so many more ways to play. I just adore you. You light up my life in so many ways and just feed me in so many ways. And so grateful that we get to play together. Right back at you, babe. <laughs> Lovers, thank you again for tuning in. 
If you enjoyed the show, hit subscribe and head over to eatplaysex.com to connect with me and grab my sexy guides. Because my goal here is to get you to eat, play, and sex better so you can improve your sex life, which will improve every aspect of your life. Until next time, keep it sexy.